0: As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's Word.
1: All right, it is good to be in church this morning, amen. <clears throat> Appreciate the Lord, amen. Us. Uh, Saw once again the weather, looks like it's going to get windy, it just appears like it does that every weekend around the, around Kentucky anymore, amen? It's the windiest year I ever remember, amen. It's good to be in God's house this morning, amen. I appreciate His mercies, His goodness towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, amen. And where would we be had it not been for Jesus, amen? We'd still be the same train wrecks that we used to be without Him, amen. Uh, He's been good to us, amen, I do. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to stand in this pulpit once again. Do not count it a light thing. Thank the Lord for the opportunity. Amen. As I already said, it is good to be in God's house this morning. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to the book of 1 Peter. Chapter number one we'll begin there uh, in verse number 22, 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse number 22. Uh really will not deal with uh, the remainder of that chapter, but we'll deal with the first three verses of the second chapter, but uh, they seem to go along very well, and so uh, we will deal with these passages as I believe the Lord would have us to, amen. As you get into First Peter, what we understand is that you are looking at some Christians that have been scattered abroad. Uh, you'll find that in uh, chapter number 1 and verse number 1, uh, that he uh, Peter, the apostle, writing to the strangers scattered throughout, and he gives a list of cities, and uh, you'll recognize some of those cities as places that the apostle Paul went to in his missionary journeys. And what you're beginning to find is that there is a scattering that has happened around Jerusalem due to persecution that has come uh, from Rome, from uh, their emperor Nero, and uh, his uh, persecution and prosecution. Of Christians and uh, many giving their lives in that day uh, for the cause of Christ. And to be honest with you, that was not a pleasant day. Uh, for Christianity. Many were required uh, to give their lives for the cause of Christ and uh, to be honest with you, I know we don't understand that very much in these United States of America because we don't really see that very often but uh, the fact of the matter is there are still places across this world in which Christians are still giving their lives uh, literally for the cause of Christ. Amen. And if it does anything for us, it should convict us that individuals are willing to uh, put their faith to that that extreme, uh, that they are willing to die for the Lord who died for them. Amen. Uh, and I do believe He has been that good to us. Amen. We have a Savior worthy of exactly that. But as you go throughout these and you find uh, that these Christians, that they are being scattered because of persecution that has arisen in their lives, uh, that Peter begins in chapter 1 and he begins to tell them uh, about a coming day. And uh, we would... we would. Uh, quoted as the blessed hope that Titus mentions in chapter 2. And you'll find that in verses 3 through 6, how that uh, there is a hope that is coming for the child of God. And can I tell you, uh, that is the blessed hope that we have in this life, uh, in that our Savior is returning one of these days to come and get His bride to remove us uh, from this place. And I understand that this world will be in turmoil and trouble after that, that the church is removed uh, from this earth. Uh, But to be honest with you, I get to go see my Lord. Amen. him whom I've known for some 24 years now, uh, that I dearly want to see. I want these eyes uh, that have never physically laid, uh, that I've never physically seen my Lord, uh, that I'm going to see Him on that day. And uh, these hands that have never physically touched my Lord, uh, uh, that day I get to see Him. Amen, Brother Tim. And uh, that's going to be a good day for me. Amen. Uh, the one who gave me everything that I have is going to fix all of my issues on that day. Amen. I'll never have to deal with this flesh anymore. I'll never have to deal with sin anymore I'll never have to deal with sorrows and heartaches all of those things are going to be removed and that is that blessed hope that he has delivered uh, to these uh, persecuted uh, Christians. Amen. And it is interesting as he dives down through chapter number 1 how that he goes through and he talks about uh, the sufferings in this present life and how uh, that the trying of your faith being much more precious than of gold uh, that perisheth, meaning this, uh, that there is value in the things that we go through in this life. Are they enjoyable? Maybe not on this side. Uh, But God says there is a, a, a blessing in our trials that we go through in this life you say what would that blessing be Uh, for one it does this it makes you less like you and more like Christ and that's a good thing amen we need a lot more of a lot less like us and more like him in this life if we're going to have an effect on this lost and dying world what we can't be is just like us all the time amen we need to be more like him And as you go down through, he begins to deal with them and he begins to talk about salvation. And that is a a critical place to begin if there is going to be a difference made in the life of an individual. Uh, You must first be born again. That is a distinct change that is required in the life of an individual for you to not be like you anymore. Uh, You can't change yourself. These self-help programs cannot fix the problems that the flesh has or the problems that man has. Uh, What we need is we need to be A new creature, as is mentioned in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Uh, We need to be a new creature, and there must be a change made. Old things must pass away. Behold, all things are become new because of what Christ did in us. You say, when did that happen? The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you got born again, a change was made in your life. Somebody took up an abode inside of you. You say, where is he? I don't know. He's in there somewhere. You say, how do you know? Because he pricks my heart all the time. Amen. Hey, if you've never had the Lord deal with you about something, a sin or something of uh, that effect, a friend, I would check up on your salvation. As he gets into the latter half, of chapter number 1 and verse number 22, he really begins an in-depth look at the Word of God and the effects that the Word of God has on a uh, on the life of a believer. And Brother Tim said it right this morning. Uh, we are a people of a book, and we need to be a well-studied people of this book. Amen. This book uh, is a living book. You say, how do you know that it is living? Well, verse number 23 says exactly that. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which what? liveth and abideth forever. Amen. You say, you say, how is this book a living book? Because he who is the Word of God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. You say, where is that Word now? It is seated at the right hand of the Father, where it ever liveth to make intercession for us. And so what you have in your hands is Jesus Christ on paper. That's what this book is. And that's what it should mean to you made a statement a long time ago uh, that you'll have a difficult time convincing me that you love Jesus if you don't read your Bible. You're going to have a hard time convincing me, because this is where I get to know Him much better. It's in this book, and it's critical. So let's begin our reading in verse number 22 of chapter number one. He said, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently amen i believe that went along with brother uh, tim's lesson in sunday school this morning being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of god which liveth and abideth forever for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away but the word of the lord endureth forever And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Amen. Let's bow our heads. We'll pray real quick. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to gather in your house. Father, I am grateful, Lord, for another day you've given me. Lord, I'm reminded, uh, as is quoted in Lamentations, Lord, how that I woke up with new mercies this morning. Lord, how that already you've been better to me than I deserve, Lord. And I want to publicly give you thanks uh, for your goodness towards me, Lord. And as we gather in this place, Father, I realize the incapabilities of, my, uh, of me, Lord, that I'm not able to help these individuals, Lord. And so I plead with you, Lord, that you would, uh, with your spirit, take the Scriptures and that you'd work on the hearts of these your children, Lord. I pray that if there'd be an individual here that does not know you, Lord, they'd come to that place that knowledge uh, of their need of a Savior in this, in this hour, Father. I pray that you'd work on hearts as only you can, Lord, and I pray uh, that you'd receive honor and glory out of it, for you are worthy of it, Lord. We need you this morning, and we love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, as you dive into these things, it is curious that you begin to see that there is a critical aspect at the end of chapter number one in the Word of God with salvation. You say, what is that aspect that the Word of God has with your, uh, your salvation? It is simply this, uh, that we understand that there is what we would call the Romans road. It is that a uh, portion of scriptures that we run to when we are dealing with an individual that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, we would begin some with Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, what does that mean? It means we're all in the same boat. Every one of us failed. Every one of us are sinners. There's nothing good about any of us. And so it places all of mankind, uh, no matter your hair, no matter your birth, no matter your place, uh, no matter your occupation, it places all of man in the same place, uh, that we are all sinners before God. And so being all of us sinners, we all have the same need. We need to be born again. And we would make our way, uh, as we get to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is what? It's death, right? Uh, That is the consequence of man's sin, uh, that it has brought death. Uh, You say, is that a new thing? No, it's it's been that way since Adam, that sin has brought death, and that's exactly what Adam has passed along uh, to all that are in his heritage, uh, that death has come upon men uh, because sin is in this world. But it's not just in this world. It is in us. And that's where death, the wages of that sin comes to pass. It is likely that every one of us will face that one of these days. The only thing that could hinder that would be the rapture. Other than that, Brother Joe, we will face death. As we go through that, we understand this, that it was the wages of sin, that it is death, but we understand also that it is the gift of God, uh, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and how that it is uh, not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, as is mentioned later in uh, in Peter's epistles, and how that we understand that uh, God had, had, had placed this judgment, uh, that because of sin, death is passed upon all men, uh, but it is not His will uh, that man should die without Him, and so, with His desire for fellowship, He sent His only begotten Son to be born of a virgin, to live 33 and a half years of a perfect life on this earth, to be slain on Calvary as a lamb without spot or blemish, to die for the sins of mankind, and to offer His blood as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind, and then to rise, not only to die, but to rise from the grave three days later, and then 40 days later to ascend up into heaven, where He ever liveth to make intercession for us. You say, what is that? It's the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is another term we would know it as? The gospel. It's the gospel. You say, how can man be born again? It's this simple. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, why do we show individuals the Scriptures when they realize they are lost? Because that's God's signature that He has stamped on it. If you'll call on me, I will save you. You say, that's easy believism. God said it. I didn't say it. Amen. If God has placed a statement and He has said this, that if you will come to me uh, uh, aware of your sinful state and you will place your faith in me, God has simply stated this. He said, I will save you. You say, is it that easy? Friend, if it was any more difficult than that, none of us would get it. I know we think we are intellectual. I know we think we are wise. But the fact of the matter is that we are feeble. And had it not been easy, none of us would get it. And so you begin to see that the the Scriptures are what we place our faith in. You say, uh, in the Scriptures, yes, that is where God has told us exactly what we are supposed to believe. And I've I've held God to His Word. Why is that? Why can I hold God at His Word? Uh, Because in Titus uh, uh, chapter 1 and verse number 2, He said, God cannot lie. And in Hebrews chapter 6, He said exactly the same thing. He said, God cannot lie. And so if God is not a liar, and He has established uh, that His Word is true, then if I put my faith in Exactly what He said, I've put my faith in Him, in Jesus Christ, the crucified Son, and in His offering, what I've become is I've become a child of God by birth. A newborn creature birthed into this world. You say, how is it? It's better than anything I ever remembered on the other side. It's the greatest change that ever happened in the life of an individual. There is no better life. Amen. Uh, You can go out here and you can turn on the news or uh, you don't even really have to go that far. Uh, Turn Facebook on, look at the lives of individuals all around us uh, who are living a life for self and in sin and you'll see exactly what kind of life they have. It's a life of misery. It's a life of suffering. And it's a life of sorrow. But that's all the world can offer. And so you begin to see how that the Word of God has an effect on the lives of uh, every individual that's been born again. You say, how do you know? Because I've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. By the way, not in my message, but I would say this. My salvation is based on an individual, and his name is Jesus Christ. You say, how long will your salvation last? It'll last as long as He lives. How long is that? That's all eternity. Amen, you can't kill Him. He'll not die. He's not leaving where He is. He's God and He'll be God for all eternity. And that's that's exactly how long it's going to take for me to thank Him for everything He's done for me. We see the Word of God and how that it has an effect on us being born again. And may I state it this way? That's just the beginning in the life of an individual. For those of you that have not been born again very long, may I say it this way, welcome to the war. The day you got born again, it is a change that was wrought in you, you are no longer the same, you are a new creature, Uh, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, Uh, but what we understand from Romans chapter number 7 is this, uh, that there is still an old nature that we deal with, brother Tim, Uh, that there are two natures, there is the old man, it is this flesh that you see before you, it is the the troublesome aspect of my life, it is the most troubling individual that I deal with on a regular basis, amen, you say who is that? It's me, amen. Uh, This that I deal with uh, that you see in their physical appearance is the most troubling thing that I deal with on a regular basis. Yes, we have an adversary. Yes, there is an individual uh, that I cannot stand. I don't want to deal with him. I don't want good things to come for him. I believe his day is coming. Uh, But to be honest with you, uh, he doesn't need all the help. Uh, My flesh is enough of a problem in this life. As you go through this uh, this text, you begin to see uh, that the change first occurred with us trusting in the word of God. Uh, but as you dive into chapter number two, you see that there's a change because of the scriptures. But you also begin to see that there's growth through the scriptures. You see, as an as a born again child of God, what is expected of you is you are to grow. Now, many of us, I know the children aren't in here any longer. Uh, They went up to uh, children's church. Uh, But you understand this, uh, that if any of them were to stay at the age of or or at the size of a six-month-old or a year-old or even uh, as Hunter would be a five-year-old, if he were to remain that size for the rest of his life, we would say this, there's something wrong with that individual. But Christians do it on a regular basis. They've been born again. They've been changed. There's a a change that has occurred in their life. They have become a new creature. They have that new man on the inside that knows no sin, that always wants to do right, that wants to do what God has said. And they deal with this flesh and this carnal nature that we deal with in this life, this flesh that has nothing good about it. And what they begin to see is this. They give in to this carnal nature. And there's never a growth that occurs in their life. And the problem is this. We've got too many that sit in church. Brother Tim, and they don't grow. And they don't change. And to be honest with you, that's not God's fault. It's not God's fault that individuals don't grow. You say, brother, that's a blanket statement. Somewhat may be. But I have seen this testimony in many individuals that they've been in church for years and that there has not been a change in their life. Now they come regularly. They show up. They are there. But the same individual I saw 10 years ago is the same individual that I see now. Now the question is this, is God pleased with that? And that answer is no. Because he expects growth. You say, where does growth come from? It comes from this. It comes from the Scriptures. A book that has been presented to you to help you to change. Now you say, brother, you're just going to land blast us this morning. I have no intent of that, amen. Uh, but it, I, guess, uh, I guess if you get shot, uh, you shouldn't have built your nest in the gun barrel, right? Uh, amen. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like the mud dauber that built his nest in the end of a 12-gauge. Uh, you say, how come you shot him? Well, uh, how else was you not going to? <laughs> amen. Uh, you were just on target, so it is what it is. You say, uh, uh, brother, uh, uh, why would you point us out? Uh, to be honest with you, most of you I don't really know. And so you'll have to dial up the Lord's number and you'll have to take this up with Him, amen, this morning. Amen. As we dive into it, let's read the first three verses of uh, the second chapter and we'll dive into our lesson uh, on what's the difference. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be ye, have tasted that the Lord is gracious You'll you'll see in verse number one how that there is what I would I would uh, call or name contentious growth that happens in this in verse number one. Uh, you'll notice that he has said wherefore, and so it is a connecting word uh, that is connected. Chapter number one, the end thereof, and uh, uh, the beginning of verse number two or, or chapter number two, and you see that the wherefore is a continuance of dealing with the scriptures and the word of God, and he says wherefore, laying aside, and so uh, if we were to define that word laying, it means To put away or to uh, push away from you. And so it requires some action on your part to deal with these things uh, that are mentioned in verse number one. Uh, How many of you have ever heard an individual say this? I can't help it the way I act. Or uh, you know me, I fly off the handle. Or uh, uh, other individuals say this, I can't help the way that it comes out from me. That's a lazy excuse. It's lazy. Because the fact of the matter is, you can't help it. Now whether we want to or not, I guess that's a different statement. But he has placed this statement in verse number one of chapter number two, how that he has said this, that we are to lay aside these things, meaning we got to put these away. And so it is going to require action on your part. Now the statement to remove all these particular sins that are mentioned in verse number one, that it points to the destructiveness that you see in these things. Now I will state this, that every sin that you see in verse number 1 is a sin of self-advancement. We could boil it down to this, uh, to the subject of pride, but you can really essentially take every sin uh, that we find in our scriptures and we can boil it all down uh, to pride, in which I believe uh, to be in Psalm 19, the great transgression that is mentioned in that chapter. And so uh, that's not just me saying that everything boils down to sin, uh, but it is clear that when you look at the sins that are mentioned in verse Verse number one, uh, that these are sins uh, to help to make you to look better in front of other people. That's dangerous ground. Because the fact of the matter is this. We all to want to look better in the eyes of God than we do in the eyes of other men. When you look at these things, I'll give you a... Listen, this is going to be Bible heavy as we go throughout these things. In Romans chapter 13 and verse number 12, the Apostle Paul said, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32, he said this, he said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You say, how are you supposed to deal with the brethren? You are to forgive them as Christ hath forgiven you. What is part of that? It's getting rid of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and all malice. In Colossians chapter 3 and verses 7 through 10, he said this. He said, in the which ye also walked some time. And so uh, you'll see that it is critical that it is this verse is in past tense. He said, when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. He said, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And so you see that these are uh, supposed to be past tense issues, past tense issues. In Titus chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, he said this For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish. Do you ever used to be foolish? How about disobedient? Deceived? Serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Do you remember how it was to be lost? You can see it in the lives of many lost individuals today. These attributes that we see. He said, but after that, the kindness and love of of God our Savior toward men appeared. That's when a change happened. The truth is established that it's not just Peter that mentions these, uh, these sins that are mentioned in verse number 1, but uh, you'll see that uh, the Apostle Paul has also said these exact same things. And it is interesting that as he dives into verse number 1, uh, that the first one that he mentions is the, uh, the, the sin of malice. And it is defined as this. It is a dis- disposition to injure others without cause. You say, nobody is that way. I believe the first of last week we saw exactly this in Louisville, Kentucky. You saw an individual attack with malice, a disposition to injure others without cause. Malice is extreme enmity of heart, malevolence. And what you're beginning to see is that he says this. All these that are mentioned in verse number one could be uh, under the umbrella of malice. And it is uh, with this idea that these individuals, they have a disposition to injure others, whether they deserve it or not. You say, nobody would be like this. You, friend, in your flesh would be exactly like this. You say, that's a tough pill to swallow. It is exactly that. But we in our flesh are wicked. We are exceeding wicked. No man knows your heart. Not even you. It's desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all things. You say, brother, I know what I'm capable of. You really don't. You don't know what you are capable of. It is God's mercies that have kept us this long. It's His grace it's His protection. It's His prevention in my life that have kept me from wrecking and ruining everything that I have, brother Tim. It's the Lord. When you lay aside malice, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 8, He said this, He said, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. You say, what is malice likened to? It's likened to leaven. What is leaven? Uh, Those of you that are bakers would understand leaven as it is used in bread uh, to help that bread uh, to grow and to to get bigger. And so you'll understand this, uh, that when he likens it to malice, malice is likened to a substance in which that if it is in you, then what it is going to do is it's going to continually get bigger inside of you. You know, that's how sin works in our lives. It grows. And it may be subtle, but it grows nonetheless. When you see the word, uh, the term malice, what he says is you need to get rid of it. How much of it should you get rid of? Some of it. He says laying aside all, all malice. You say, how much does all mean? All means all. And that's all that all means. All malice. As he goes on, and the second one he deals with is he deals with guile. And we understand guile to be deceit. Deceit. When I open these things, these statements, I said this, that these are are all sins in which you would see self-promotion. And when you deal with these things, it is uh, the attempt of an individual to lift themselves above other individuals. You say, how do you know that? Look at guile, that it is deceit. You know, there's only two individuals in your Bible in which were found no guile. Jesus said that of Nathaniel. He said that of Nathaniel, But later on in chapter number 2 and verse number 22, it's also said of Christ. He said, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Deceit, the, the term deceit. You say, when, when would we see an individual uh, that we would see guile in? Can I tell you, you see it in the serpent in the garden? It's really the first place that we begin to see this term guile. It's not exactly the term guile, but it is beguiled. Meaning this, that Eve stated this, that the serpent deceived her. What was his intention? His intention was Deception. Thou shalt not die. I thought God had said the opposite of that. And so his intent was this, uh, to question the Word of God. Is it any miracle or any wonder that he's doing exactly that? uh, To cause questions concerning the Word of God in the day that we live in? It's exactly what you see in the life of our adversaries, that he is an individual that is full of deception, that is full of deceit, but it's also the term deceit is mentioned with your own heart. That is it's deceitful above all things. When you look at all these things, you begin to see that it's how you are seen by other individuals is what all these affect. You say, how do you know that? Next we see hypocrisies. It is the concealment of one's real character or motives. You know who Christ often called hypocrites? The Pharisees. Isn't that the joyful bunch? Everybody loves that group, right? Yeah, those individuals. Uh, you look at them, and uh, as they walk down the streets, you know uh, if they were to happen to touch you, uh, they would immediately go to the temple and they begin to wash your hands, wash their hands, uh, because they had touched filth. No, seriously, they did that. Yeah. Now, that's a, a group of individuals that thought much of themselves. I, in Christ even going to the place where He said, He, he said, you are hypocrites. He said, you, uh, you, you pr- uh, present your bodies as a whited sepulcher, and you look good on the outside. He said, but what you have on the inside is that you are full of dead men's bones. Now, I'll state this, that as a born-again child of God, you have somebody living inside you. And you are not full of dead men's bones. But you can put on a front to, to make other people see you differently than how you really are. That's dangerous ground. And we've ex- uh, entered exactly that. I, I have written down uh, numerous verses in which uh, the Lord Himself, just in the book of Matthew, uh, would denounce hypocrisies. And we'll not go through all of them, but I'll put it this way. Hypocrisy presents the idea of putting on a show. Y'all ever seen anybody put on a show? You ever seen a political figure? Amen. In a day we live in, what do we vote for? The one that's the least worst, right? Now we understand that every one of them are going to lie to us. Every one of them will, right? And so we try to pick the one that will lie to us the least, right? You know, he's at least somewhat pointed in the right direction. What a dangerous ground we live in. What a front, a show is presented. Can I tell you the most dangerous thing? Is for you as an individual to live a Christian life just like that. You say, what is that dangerous ground? Brother Tim, uh, you you dealt with youth a lot over at Victory. Uh, And I'm not looking for names or anything. But did you ever have an individual come and talk to you and say, Mom and Dad are in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but that's not how they are at home? I've seen individuals. I've had them come talk to me. Can I tell you, Mom and Dad, what a dangerous place that is? for Christianity to just be the front that you place on Sunday mornings and Sunday night and Wednesday night. What it ought to be is it ought to be a consistent living throughout every aspect of your life. You say, brother, that's hard. My Bible tells me that the way of a transgressor is hard. Living for Christ is easy. It is the best life. You say, you're really down on us. We'll get better. Amen. Just. Be patient. Amen. Hypocrisies. Look at envies. He says this, Webster's, Webster's defined it as this, it's to fret or grieve oneself at the real or supposed superiority of another and to hate him on that account. You say, brother, this doesn't sound anything like a, a Christian, a born-again child of God. That's exactly what Peter's saying. He's saying, get rid of all of this. What you need to do is you need to take a scalpel and you need to figure out exactly where this is in your life and you need to carve it away from you and you need to put it out of your life. Get rid of it. Proverbs 14.30, he said this, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Proverbs 27.4, he said this, Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Jesus had this to say in Mark 15, 10, or it wasn't Jesus, he said this, he said, uh, this pilot, he said, for he knew that the chief priest had delivered him, Jesus, for what? For envy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is the the chapter of love, we would call it, uh, it is this, it's charity. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things, it believeth all things, and it hopeth all things, endureth all things. You say, what is charity? It is the desire for your brethren to be blessed above your self. Now, as you looked at these things, what we have seen is that these are uh, internal sins thus far that have been spoken of, and these are things that you, uh, listen, I would say that a majority of us have these things, or at least pieces of these in us. And what he says is we need to lay aside all these things. But you know what comes out of these? What proceeds from the abundance of your heart? That's what comes out of your mouth. And he says this, he said, in all evil speakings. You said, brother, you said that these are self-lifting sins. And That's exactly what they are. Let's look at the definition of evil speakings. It's backbitings, whisperings, detractions, hurting one another's character by innuendos, false charges, and evil surmises. It is the presentation to another individual to lower them and in chance raise yourself. Every one of these things and every one of these sins is about your image. They're about yourself and about the lifting of self. And what we come to understand is this, uh, that this Christian life isn't anything about the lifting of self. It is about the humbling yourself. It is a lowering of self. It is coming before Christ and humbling yourselves, uh, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, uh, that He may exalt you in due time. Because the fact of the matter is this, There's nothing about me that's good. And there's nothing about me worth lifting up. You say, Brother, what are we supposed to do with these things? Get rid of them, lay them aside with all malice. You say, What is this? It's growth. And can I tell you what these things will do in your life if they are left where they are? They'll be just like leaven, and they'll grow. And they'll consume so that you won't even look like what you used to look like. And what will proceed from you will be exactly these things. Let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud. When you talk about others, is there ever anything good you have to say? Or is it always bad? Listen, I know... uh, put a knock on everybody's favorite TV show, Fox News, right? Uh, if If you watch the news channels, whatever your brand is, how come they never have anything good to say? Hey, man, can I tell you one of the most dangerous things in the life of a Christian? To be plugged in to the latest news that's happening every day. Listen, I know Christians, uh, I I know individuals uh, that on a consistent basis, all they watch is Fox News. You know what they are? They're irritable. They're angry. They're always mad about something. It doesn't appear that we're supposed to be that way. I thought we were supposed to be full of joy. I thought we were supposed to be full of peace and hope, right? Right? and that we don't, uh, we don't put our confidence in man, and we're not confident in the things that are happening around us. No, we're confident in one who is seated on a throne in heaven. But what you got to be careful of is that if these things are in you, and you leave them where they are, and you don't deal with them, you know what will happen? It's going to get worse. And just like that leaven is going to build in your life, And the problems that come from it will not be Christ-honoring. And they won't be glorifying to God. What they'll do is they'll glorify self. And in such, you'll have no spiritual effect on other individuals. These are evils that affect the spiritual appetite. They spoil the taste for divine things. They dull the desire for healthful Nourishment essential to the balanced development of the believer's life. These are contentious growths that can be in the life of an individual. And that is why Peter has stated this. Get them out of your life. Cut them away. Put them as far away from you as you can. You say, why? Brother Farley, down Shady Acres in Texas... He said this, he said this, he said, if we are to have revival, the one thing we have to deal with is we have to deal with our sin. And if we will not deal with our sin, then we cannot have revival. You say, why is that? Isaiah said it, he said, it's because your iniquities have separated you. That is the partition that is created. He say, do you become lost again? No, but your fellowship is hindered. And when you get individuals in a church service, a unified body that is supposed to be unified for the cause of Christ, and yet you have pieces begin to fall off, it affects the whole, right? I believe we learned that in uh, 1 Corinthians in which we find this, that all the parts of the body are necessary, Brother Tim, that the hands are necessary, that the feet are necessary, that the eyes are necessary, the ears, the mouth, the nose, all of these things are necessary. And so each one of you are necessary. And what you have to do is you have to deal with these things, these malice, this guile, this hypocrisies, the envies, and all evil speakings, to cut them out of your life. Why is that? So that you might be more like Christ and be less like you. Let's look at commendable growth. He said this, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Sincere means this. It means pure. It means unmixed. It means being in reality what it it appears to be. It's the real deal. You say, what is? The scriptures. The scriptures are exactly what they're supposed to be. And you say, how do we How do we deal with verse number one? Well, can I tell you exactly how you deal with verse number one? A consistent diet. That's what it appears. Verse two begins to give you uh, exactly what you need in this life uh, to deal with the problems that you find. It is this. It is this. As a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the Word. He say, what is going to change verse number one? In all those sins that we have in our lives, it's going to be this. The Scriptures. You say, how do you know? Because it's the diet that makes a change in the life of an individual. Amen. I know we are uh, four months removed from January 1st in which uh, New Year's resolutions lasted a few days, right? Yeah. What's, uh, well, what is the most, uh, I guess, used uh, resolution that occurs? Everybody's going to lose weight and change their life, Right. Yes, the newest fad of diet's going to be out. Everybody is going to that, right? And it doesn't last. Why? (laughs) Because we're flesh. (laughs) That's right. Uh, It's because we enjoy uh, Waffle House and we enjoy uh, Cracker Barrel and we enjoy all these things, amen? Uh, The Mexican restaurant, hallelujah. We enjoy these things. Uh, That's why our diets don't last, amen? Uh, We enjoy biscuits and gravy and pancakes, amen? Hallelujah. Yes, And what we all resolve to do is that we are are going to change our diets, right? We fail. We falter. You know what you're going to have to do if you don't want to be like verse number one? You're going to have to have a steady diet of the Word of God. Brother Tim, you've got to have a consistent reading. I'm not saying you won't falter. But I'm saying unlike your New Year's resolution, pick it back up. Take back off. You say, I made an oath to God. Okay, you failed. If you didn't read, you failed. But you didn't fail forever. Pick it back up. Take back off. Amen. It's just like a kid that falls off his bike. Hey, listen, if you never, if you, if you you quit after you fell off one time, what you'd have never learned to have done uh, was to ride your bike. And so what a kid has to do is he has to get back on, and he has to try again. And listen, there's going to be more scrapes and more bumps along the way, uh, but what you have to do is you have to get back into this book and you have to learn what thus saith the Word of God, uh, because it's something that was given to us uh, by the Son of God, uh, so that it can help us to not be like us brother Tim I believe you got a brand new grandbaby not too long ago right how do you know when boy or girl I'm sorry boy how you know when he's hungry oh he lets you know if you were to go to that child and you were to play peekaboo with him that might take care of him for a moment Maybe it would not meet his need. It wouldn't fix what was necessary in his life. What he needed is he needs food. Guess what you need as a newborn babe? You know the problem with many individuals? Oh, we're feasting. Oh, I mean, we're hungry. And we eat a lot of things that have nothing to do with God. Amen. Uh, we consistently take in uh, whatever's on TV. Uh, we consistently take in whatever's on Facebook. We consistently take on uh, I, just uh, games or whatever, uh, whatever hunting or whatever hobby it is uh, that you have. And listen, uh, listen, I'll be the first one to tell you uh, my hobby is hunting. It's what I do. And if I were to allow it to, it would consume all of my free time. It would. There's enough YouTube videos out there on people shooting animals. Listen, it'd consume everything I had. And I would feast on that. And what I would do is I would starve to death because of what I was eating. Did not nourish. It's just like if I were to see your grandbaby and he were hungry and I were to just play games with him. It's exactly the same. And we're seeing it in Christians' lives. There is a need for a newborn babe to decide, that they desire the sincere milk of the Word, the real thing. Can I tell you what you can't get by on? The fake things that this world has to offer. They'll not feed you. You can't feast on those things and expect God uh, to, uh, God's blessings and God's power uh, to come into your life. Uh, what you need to do is you need to feed on the Word of God. Why? That you may grow thereby. That you may grow. I talked earlier about Hunter. If he remained at the, uh, the size he is at age number five, uh, then it would, be, it would be disturbing. But if he's going to grow, he's got to eat the real real food. This isn't the only place that the the Lord has um, uh, mentioned of food and the Scriptures. In the book of Hebrews, He deals with it. And He says this. He said, I would. I've got other things that I'd like to tell you. He said, but you can't handle them uh, because you're babes. What you need to do is you need to grow and get to the place where you can handle the meat of the Word. Who likes steak? Amen. How about milk for the rest of your life? Is it going to fill that need? I mean, it'll get you by as a baby, right? It'll get you by as a baby. I mean, they're going to grow on it. But there's got to come a time in your life to where that's not enough. I need more. I need more. I need more of what this is. I need more of the Scriptures. I need to hide them in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against God. I need to put this into my heart. Why? Because I need a renewing of my mind. Why is that? Because there's this battle, there's this war that I face on a daily basis uh, between the carnal man, uh, this old man, this nature that I have, and this new man that Christ put on the inside and they butt heads and the Spirit uh, that it fights against the flesh and that they're never together. They're never in unity. They'll never get along. Amen. And so that's why we see the need that we are to feed the Spirit and not the flesh. You say, you should never eat anything? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. You ought to take care of what you do eat. It ought to be a consistent diet of what thus saith the Word of God. You say, what's that going to affect going to affect my mind it appears to me that the greatest battlefield of our day is the mind our minds are under siege they're under attack consistently and oftentimes it's things that we allow in you many of you have in your purse or in your pocket a device that is a hindrance to many of us. Are they useful? Sure. Can they be used for good? Yes. Amen. By the way, can Facebook be used for good? Yes. Is it a distraction? Yes. Yes. Amen. You say, what is that? We need moderation. Amen. Moderation. But our minds are under attack. And what I find is that we need a renewing in our lives. And a consistent diet of what thus saith the Word of God does exactly that. Before I walked in, I looked at your list of missionaries that you have there in the uh, the doorway. One man named David Gibbs is on that board. Brother Gibbs is an individual uh, that committed to read his Bible every month. I mean Genesis to Revelation. Every single month. And he does it. You say, can you do it? I tried. I'm not able. (laughs) Uh, uh, I like the mental capabilities to handle that. Amen. Brother Gibbs is a a very intelligent man, but he did exactly that. He reads his Bible through month by month, 12 times a year. You say, that's a great feat. It is. But can I tell you the most amazing uh, characteristic that he said came from that? He said, after a certain period, he said, I began to think, Scripture. When I made decisions, Scripture came to my mind. When I had something present in front of me, Scripture came to my mind. It was, was, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against Thee. It was the counsel of God appearing in his life just at the very moment that he needed it. You say, who does that? That same Holy Spirit that's taken up an abode in you. What he lifts up and he honors is he honors the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and this being Christ on paper, he takes the Word of God and he uses it to affect your life so that you don't look like verse number one. You look like verse number two, and you grow And you get better. And there are changes that happen in your life. And those changes aren't just in your life, but they happen in your home and they happen in your family and they happen in your workplace. And everything around you becomes more like Christ and less like the flesh. Because that's what we need. You say, brother, these are persecuted Christians. And you know what he told them? He said, you need to be less like you. And you need to be more like Christ. And the way that you're going to do that is you need a steady diet of the Word of God. You say, how? How, how do you know this? If so be you have tasted that the Lord, that He is gracious. Have you tasted the grace of God? Amen. Psalm 34, 8, he said this, he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Have you tasted the goodness of God, His grace in your life? Can I tell you, it'll ruin you for everything else. It'll ruin your appetites for everything else. Oh, you might go back and you might partake and you might taste of this world, but it's got a sour taste in your mouth, and it'll not be uh, like it was when you were a lost individual. I uh, know you've tasted something better, and so in that, uh, what you do is you begin to long for it, you begin to desire it. Have you ever had a steak sitting in the uh, in the uh, in the refrigerator marinating, and it consumes your mind and your thoughts, and you're thinking, I can't wait for the day that I get to eat that. Can I tell you what it ought to be? When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I run to, one of the first things I get into is I get into this book. And i begin to look at it. And I've been doing so for some 16 years. Not saying I've never missed a day but I'm saying it's a consistent diet that I have in my mornings because what i found is that it has a distinct effect on the rest of my day. It affects my attitude. It affects how I act towards other people. Amen. It affects whether I have a full control over my flesh or not. And I ain't going to say that I always do, but it has a great effect on that. You say, why would you do that? Because I've tasted that the Lord is gracious. And I've seen the other side of this. And I've seen the train wreck and the ruins that it has. And I've seen that this is better. And you know what I want in this life, Brother Tim? I want what's better. I want what's good. And I'd rather have that. You see, many individuals, you're like that newborn babe. But you haven't been partaking in the sincere milk of the word. And so the change that needs to occur is not occurring because you haven't taken anything good in. Wouldn't it be a shame, brother Tim, that God has given, and I dare say every one of us in here have a King James Bible. He's given us the answer to deal with what we, ha- what we face in this life. And it sits in the church pew. And I'll pick it up Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. Or it sits in the back window of the car or on the coffee table. And it gets that ring because that's where you set your coffee cup. And just inside of it, just a few pages turned away are the answer- answers that you need. To be that close and yet to be so far away. Say, brother, I don't know what what are we supposed to do? You know what you ought to do? You ought to make a commitment. You ought to commit that you're gonna read a certain amount of your Bible every single day. You say, How much? Whatever you need to do. Amen. I just say I started this way. What you need to be is you need to be consistent. Or can I use a Bible word? You need to be faithful because that's what's required of a steward. And you, you are a steward of the Word of God. And He has committed this into your hands.
0: Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. and We hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.